1938, a confession to multiple murders was recorded by Walter Neff, salesman for the Pacific All Risk Insurance Company. He detailed the shocking story of death, all for the purpose of his client's wife collecting a large insurance payout. But why would Neff take part in this scheme? And had the wife killed before? Today on the podcast, Phyllis Dietrichson and the double indemnity. What if they do hang me? They're not going to hang you. Because you're going to do it and I'm going to help you. Welcome to Absolutely True True Crime, a deadly serious podcast. I'm Claire, and joining me are my two true true crime aficionados. Uh, it's Brad and Tammy. Hey. Welcome back, guys. Hey. So this is a um, an interesting case that we're going to cover today because, you know, there is a murder involved, but when we looked into a lot of the research, it, it really focused so much on that insurance claim. And even the documentary I ended up watching was named after the insurance claim. And we learned a lot about insurance. Yeah, we learned a lot about insurance in, the, in this uh yeah, as part of this crime. So let's go ahead and start just, I guess, talking about the two main criminals in this case. We have um, Phyllis Dietrichson and we have Walter Neff. So Walter Neff was kind of, um, I mean, both as guilty as each other, but Walter Neff was kind of brought into this by Phyllis, Phyllis Dietrichson because we'll learn a lot more about her, her history um, as we go on. Uh, Walter Neff was a, basically an insurance agent. He was working for Pacific All Risk out of Los Angeles, and he was an uh, insurance agent for the actual uh, eventual victim, Mr. Dietrichson. So he was basically uh, almost tricked into um, helping uh, Felix Dietrichson uh, murder her husband. Well, not tricked, but seduced into into helping her murder her husband um, uh, as part of a insurance fraud scheme uh, involving a double in- indemnity clause, which the documentary we actually watched uh, was named after. So we know Walter Neff had been working with the insurance company for approximately 11 years. This whole time he was a salesman um, of insurance. However, his boss, Barton Keyes, was an insurance adjuster and also wanted him to become an insurance adjuster, which you would think would have been a a pretty big step up for him. But he said he liked being out in the field. Yeah, he didn't want a desk job. I I cannot imagine being like an insurance salesman in the field, like in the 40s. That sounds horrible. I, I can't imagine being an insurance salesman at all. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But just like driving around to people like, hey, uh, your your car insurance is expired. Like, that sounds terrible. Yeah. You just have to track people down, follow leads, like knock on doors to sell shit. Like, and it's insurance. Yeah. yeah. But he was good at it. He was like their top salesman. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah, he was definitely good at it. I just think it sounds horrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we should say these crimes took place in 1938. Uh, yeah, it was the summer, I think, of like 1938. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way that all of this came out, actually, which I think is, is one of the more interesting things about this crime, is that we got a full confession from Walter Neff himself. 
Yeah, we, we didn't actually ever hear from um, Phyllis Dietrichson, who was the other person involved in this. Everything we know is kind of from what Walter Neff says, uh, from his confession. So, um, you know, it's he obviously takes a lot of the blame as well, but we, we you know, we um, only have the details from what he actually said in his confession. Yes. Which also, he was uh, currently bleeding out at the time, so I don't know if it's entirely accurate. Yeah, I think there are things that they're able to obviously track down and uh, confirm. Um, so yeah, so Walter Neff, the salesman, goes and he's actually going to go see Mr. Dietrichson because his car insurance is up. So like Brad said, this is a really boring job, I think as well. <laughs> he's having to go over, talk to Mr. Dietrichson I mean, and tell him his insurance is lapsing. <laughs> like forget about the fact that you have to drive to all of your clients. <laughs> And, like, find them. In Los Angeles. Yeah, in Los Los Angeles in the 30s when cars ran about six miles an hour. So, (laughs) I mean, it's hot. You don't have air conditioning. You're driving around forever trying to track people. I No. How did we do anything? Yeah. I I don't know why people left their house. Um, So, yeah, in this case, too, we do know a little bit about Mr. Dietrichson. He was... um, an oil executive and had plenty of cash their house which um at the time was uh well still the house still exists in los angeles it's actually in hollywood hills and at the time the house cost thirty thousand dollars um yeah so yeah that whole house it by the way the house still exists it is a four bedroom three bath house over in Los Angeles, it is now estimated at over $2 million, and it wow. is in Hollywood Hills. So at the time, $30,000. So I like to keep that in mind, because what we find out about this case is the insurance claim, as is, without the double indemnity clause, was already for $50,000. And that's prob- that you know that's a pretty good reason to uh, say, oh, my husband is abusive, which is what uh, Miss Dietrich had said, Phyllis said to like think about have like what she originally claimed was she had these thoughts about killing him and it's like well yeah for fifty thousand dollars but then yeah. with this double indemnity that's a hundred thousand dollars again their fancy three houses house, yeah it's only thirty thousand oh, dollars i mean just to put it in perspective <laughs> it's thirty thousand like yeah you couldn't I, like you can't you buy can't a, make a down payment. You can't make a down payment on a house for thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yes. and one of the other things we should mention about Mr. Dietrichson is that uh, Phyllis was his second wife. Uh, he had been previously married. He was a widower, um, and uh, was now married to his second wife, Phyllis Dietrichson. Um, it was the two of them living together, and also his daughter uh, Lola from his first marriage. So yeah, so that's that's kind of what we know about Walter Neff. We know he went originally just to go sell insurance, which was his job, and then he met Phyllis. And what he talks about in his confession is basically he fell in love with her right away. Just yeah, he was sight. smitten. Yeah, yeah, and what the pictures I've seen of Phyllis, you know, very attractive woman, great sense of fashion. <laughs> so you know, I, I guess maybe that's what drew him in, and um. He wanted her all to himself. Yeah. On yeah. their very first meeting, she was already asking about uh, an accident policy. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Like, their first meeting, she's like, oh, you're here for car insurance? Uh, what about accident insurance? 
Like that that should ring bells, uh, you know. Yeah. This dude this dude was thinking with uh not just his brain, obviously. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh but yeah, she was asking about that, and then he does call her out on it, and he's like, hey, why would you need accident insurance on your husband? He's an executive, so yes, he works with oil machinery, but he doesn't. He sits behind a desk, and she says, like, yeah. oh no, he's very hands-on. He likes to get involved, so that's why she was concerned. And she Red flag almost- number two. Red flag yeah, number two. Exactly. <laughs> no oil executive has ever been hands-on <laughs> yeah. with anything except his secretary. Yeah. So, uh... Walter Neff, I don't know if he really even thinks about it anymore. You know, it's kind of off the table at this point. He leaves, but he does think about her. So when she calls him and says, oh, my husband can't meet about this car insurance. But, you know, if you can come back by, I'll look over the documents. While he's not home, Walter Neff takes that opportunity to go right on over. Mm -hmm. Uh, He cannot wait to see Phyllis again. Yeah, because she actually changed their initial meeting. Um, yeah. And even though it clashed with other meetings he had with potential clients, he was he was all about it. He was like, hell yeah, I'll come over. Yeah, I, I think this was the other red flag. So <laughs> this is this like small detail he, he says in his confession, which is he went over there and she actually asked the maid for a drink and she's calling to the maid and then realizes the maid had... It was her day off. And I'm like, it's 3.30 in the afternoon. How would you know your, how would you not know your maid hasn't come, yeah. come in yet? Has so. you not asked her to do anything yet that day? Yeah. So I just thought it was funny. He had that, like, just as something he, he added to his confession, you know, that this is something that happened. And I'm thinking, yeah, Walter, that was also a red flag. <laughs> there have ne- there've never been more red flags. Uh, <laughs> the only place there's more red flags is like a, a bullfight. In, yeah. in this story. <laughs> I mean, may, listen, uh, may, maybe she just, uh, maybe the maid was there just in the other room. She just didn't want to give away her bottle of beer. <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, so, um, but this is this is kind of where their actual, I, I'm going to use quotes here, romance started. Because... Uh, as we come to find out, it really does seem, and again, we're not getting Phyllis's side of the story here, but according to Walter, he kind of was seduced this whole time. And mm-hmm. this is where that that started, that um, affair started. Yeah, pretty yeah. quickly into this conversation, he kind of figures out what the plan is, and uh, to his credit, uh, originally tries to talk her out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's, he's sort of aware. I mean, she... It, from you know what it sounds like she's kind of hinting it going oh you know well if we do this if i was to get this policy like would he have to be would he have to know about it obviously big red flag um you know could i get it done without him knowing and uh, walter like said he was kind of on to her immediately almost immediately yeah but then he invites her over to his place <laughs> so yeah. i think he was on to well, her but just didn't care um, well, actually, no. F- first, oh. he went to the drive-through to get a bottle of beer. Um, oh, well, obviously, because <laughs> it's the '30s and drinking and driving is encouraged. <laughs> well, yeah. they're only going five miles an hour, so I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but then uh, she actually came to his apartment because he had left his hat. Oh, that's right. That's that right. was it. Yes, you're yeah. right. Yeah. He, yeah. So he she stormed she, off in a in a righteous huff. 
Yep. Except by the time she got there with his hat and he couldn't stop thinking about her, he was so excited to see her again. He immediately just goes, all right, here's how to kill your husband the right yeah. way. <laughs> well, he had all those drive through beers. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'm going to blame this one on alcohol, but okay. how large? How large was that beer? Yeah. I. Well, it's like a... A milk, a glass milk bottle container of beer. <laughs> a gallon. <laughs> um, yes, and he actually tells her like a couple of different ways that wives have tried to get away with killing their husbands and why those don't work out. And so, um, as I was, I know, re-listening to like these confessions, I was thinking like, oh, so he actually really just didn't think that this would happen but nope he flips it right back around and is like so here's how we're going to do it oh by the way this insurance claim has a double indemnity clause so there's that and we can get double the money for it as well it's double the money if there was as very unusual circumstances as to the yes. death mm-hmm. um yeah that yeah. was the clause mm-hmm. and her i i guess she also i think this is when she tells um she tells Walter about Lola, the daughter, because I don't think he was aware that he had a daughter either. Yeah, I think this is when she sort of talks about the daughter. Yeah, and then her version of um, Mr. Diedrichson's first wife was that uh, Phyllis was his first wife's nurse mm-hmm. and just was there for them and the family as she passed. And so she thought, you know okay you know my job is done but then they fell in love and immediately he was abusive to her after that and they were married like after six months mm-hmm. this is six months after his wife died i mean that's kind of crazy yeah as she says she she felt like she was being tortured he would get drunk he would slap her the you know her stepdaughter hated her um so there was all these things and then walter i guess just felt more sorry for her than anything. Mm-hmm. We also we also later learn that her husband um, makes it a point to go to his college homecoming reunions. Oh, yeah, that's you know what that that's where I was like, well, maybe he's a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're in your fifties and you're still going back for college homecoming. Yeah, it's oh, weird. every oh. year, every year. <laughs> and when she questions him on this, he's like, oh, I'm not I'm not allowed to have fun. You're having fun yeah. at this? You're Not only are you going to this, but you're also having fun while doing so? Very yeah. questionable. When we later learn um, in the documentary more about um, Phyllis and her actual relationship with, uh, with Lola's mother, um, and from doing some additional sort of research as well, it definitely gave me um, kind of vibes of, uh, of our last episode with Annie Wilkes. Um, because apparently there was when she was a nurse, Phyllis was put in charge of, uh, of in charge of the care of some children, and there were some suspicious deaths, but nothing was ever kind of investigated about it. But it was obviously very suspicious, particularly after all of this came out about the the murder of her husband. Yeah, and, and part of that too is is we find out actually Lola is the one that confides in Walter and says that Phyllis. Uh, was supposed to be there as the nurse to take care of her mother, but she found her um, several days before her mother passed. Her mother had had 
uh, pneumonia, I believe, and the windows were all open and her mother was not being cared for. And when she questioned Phyllis about it, Phyllis actually like had this like, she made it seem like a very evil look (laughs) about her. Like she was not happy that Lola had found her. And within two days, her mother had passed. Well, it's yeah. perfectly normal treatment for pneumonia. Let's open up all the windows <laughs> and uh, pull the blankets off the bed. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's what you do when you have a cold. Come on. Yeah. But of course... Fire, fire a cold with cold, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Walter only heard Phyllis's side of the story. And and we do know, and it is confirmed, since Phyllis is no... Uh, she had passed while Walter was giving confession... Uh, we do know from Lola that that is the case. Like, here are, is the timeline of my mother's death and when mm-hmm. Phyllis had joined our family as a nurse. So um, so they go back over, and I guess, like, uh, Walter's just going to slip in this accident, accidental death policy in front of Mr. Dietrichs and his line. That, I think, is the craziest, like, a crazy part of this uh, mm-hmm. whole case is, like, how... <laughs> How did you just, I guess you thought you were signing auto insurance, but you're signing accidental death, which I would think it would yeah. say very big and bold at the top what you're signing. Well, I, th- I think he said that he just got him talking and distracted. And then he, he said he got yeah. him to sign the auto insurance. And then he said, oh, and you need to sign this one as well, um, because it's an extra copy. I think he said for the, the agent or something. And so he just signed the the extra copy, but it wasn't an extra copy. It was a brand new, um, a brand new uh, contract. And we should say as well, when Phyllis and Walter kind of arranged this meeting um, to to get him to, you know, to accidentally sign this, they arranged for there to be another witness. So if anything did happen, uh, they had Lola in the room. Phyllis arranged for Lola to be in the room so that they could just, you know, there was an additional witness to say that they just. Um, got him to sign the uh yeah they got him to sign the insurance yeah this is this is crazy the levels that um walter kind of went to to make sure that everything was covered up i mean the yeah. thing is though it's it's one of the scenarios like i think anytime you're in a job like you, you like figure out like if i wanted to screw everybody over like could yeah. i do that yeah yeah, so, and Walter did. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I mean, you're there so long, it gets to the point where it's just like, could I figure out a scheme to beat the system? Yeah, you just want to know if you could do it. Yeah. And it really, like, I feel like, especially, like, in the 30s, like, before everything's, like, um, digital, like, that's gonna be super easy. Yeah. You know, and, and it would have been if he didn't work for um, Keys, because Keys was, like, really... Yeah. The linchpin that figured everything out, but uh He's like sounds like he was such a super smart guy. Like he should have been working for law enforcement or something. Yeah, somewhere because he was like he he could have been a lead detective somewhere. Is what he's gonna yeah. Um you know, and and honestly Walter should have thought about that when he started coming up with the scheme. <laughs> uh so yeah, so he goes they have um Mr. Dietrichson signed the paperwork and everything is kind of set up. He said, okay, going forward, you and I really can't talk on the phone. You know, obviously it's going to look weird if you keep calling your husband's insurance salesman. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we can't have that happen. And instead they actually start meeting up in the grocery store. It's such a weird way to meet, you know? Yeah. 
I, like just yeah. kind of yeah like if you're trying to cloak out i feel like in, in a busy grocery store <laughs> like i would like if you were in a busy grocery store in a busy grocery store even if it was busy you would totally notice two people just kind of talking to each other at the corner of their mouths next to the baby food just being like oh, we're not suspicious at all you yeah. know i i mean i guess the thought was if if someone saw them, they could say they just ran into each other. They were both just at the grocery store. Sure. I mean, that's, yeah. that's I guess, what it was. But I also thought it was like, okay, well. And she would like- apparently go to the grocery store every day at mm-hmm. in the morning, I think like at 11 or something they said. And then, so he would know that any day he needed to go and talk to her, she would be there at that time. What a pain in the ass. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> How many times can you buy groceries like every day? Yeah. Also, like, what if I wanted to do something else that day, and now I've got to just hang out at the grocery store? <laughs> yeah. Her maid's like, why have we got all these oranges? <laughs> like, why Why have we got, like, weeks and weeks of, like, okay. Yeah. So we do know they go, go ahead and they want to set up something where it looks like an accident, a death happened um, with the train, because that would cons- be considered a, a very strange, you know, way to die it would have you know hit tick the boxes for the double indemnity clause they would have gotten the big payout mm-hmm. and train accidents some- are very rare exactly <laughs> particularly so- when they say that the trains at this time like traveled at like 15 miles an hour <laughs> yes like <laughs> i mean faster than a car by definitely miles faster than a car <laughs> yeah but uh yeah so so definitely and, and we know that he rides a train every so often, so at least there it wasn't like she was going to have to talk him into getting on a train for no reason. Yeah. So I think that's why that, that came up. Um, and this is also when Walter, by the way, was offered the job as the insurance adjuster. That whole This was already in place when he was offered that position and he decided not to take it. Yeah. He probably thought he was going to be running away with Phyllis, so I guess... Why take a take a job that takes you off the street, Sweet. where you can't just go to the grocery store every day at eleven? Yeah, go and have want. secret conversations. I mean, exactly. insurance adjuster are a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and true. also, if he'd taken the insurance adjuster job, it was a, a smaller salary. Yeah. Why would he take it? Yeah, that's insane. Like, I hey, I want to give you a another job offer. You're gonna make less money. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would. I would think that maybe he only would have made less because of how much he was selling, right? Because he yeah. was such a good salesman. And I guess yeah. he would then work his way up. But uh, still, I, I'd be like, no, <laughs> no. If you're that good of a salesman, there's no reason to stop yeah, selling. Yeah, he's making tons of money on commissions. <laughs> yeah. Um. But still, you don't have to, like, drive around and find people that haven't paid their car insurance. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's talk about this scheme and all the things Walter did to, like, make sure that they were covered. And he was covered, so no one suspected he was uh, involved. Yeah. Which really is the case. No one did suspect, even till the end, until his confession, that he was involved. Yeah. Well, they had had some people suspect it. Well... They sort of suspected him, but um, he, uh, quite sort of sadly, his friend Keyes kind of vouched for him and said, no, there's no way he would have anything to do with this. Yeah, and so that he... kind of took suspicion off of him. 
Yeah, and the suspicion they did have, they couldn't prove that he was involved because of all these things that he set up. So some yeah, he had things, like alibis and everything. And yes. So some of the things he set up, he set up alibis everywhere, which mm-hmm. I'm just like, like when I was watching this documentary, I'm thinking this is the craziest. I would never have thought of any of this. Probably why I shouldn't go murdering people. Fine. Uh, <laughs> but he did. So he did things like he left a book at work just so he could call and say, hey, is my book there? Okay, I'll go get it tomorrow. So someone knows, like, he was, I, I guess, not available to, to do work. I don't even know. <laughs> I was like, what, are, yeah. what is this book Well, I think thing? he was trying to set up his alibi that he was at home. So oh, yeah. First that... Okay. First that... Uh, he he called so that they, that placed him at home, and then the fact that yeah, his the car was, mm-hmm. um, he was having his car uh, washed and waxed. So yeah, so that yeah, was so he couldn't get there so until yeah. He pulled into his uh, the parking garage of where he lived, his apartment complex, and one of the parking attendants there, I guess, also details their cars. So he said, oh, yeah, I'm in for the night, so go ahead and wash my car. So that way someone saw him go into his apartment, and he wasn't going to have his car. So he went ahead and um, went upstairs, and then when he left, he just walked. <laughs> I mean, went by foot, I mean, because... <laughs> people can do that uh uh, but went out a different way so they still assumed he was home and when he came back he actually went and saw the um parking garage attendant again to make sure he saw him still at home so the that that guy would just say well he was home the whole time i had yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, the other the crazier thing but you could only have done this back back in 1938 because oh yeah i know what this you're all gonna had say to do with the the bells on the phone yeah <laughs> the bells to ring his doorbell he put little pieces of paper up so if the, any of the bells in his house had rung the little piece of paper would have fell and he would have known someone tried to either come by his house or uh, or his apartment or to have tried to call him which i was like whoa that's I mean, obviously that's that would never work right now, now because, like, you you're no. so easily it's so easy to get hold of people now. Like, it would also, be very we don't have bells. Well, yeah, <laughs> true. yeah, true. But you couldn't really. The only thing you could say was like, "I lost my phone" or something. Like, you really couldn't. It's so easy to reach people now. Um, it, there's no way you could get away with this. I mean, I do wonder though, like, if if like the paper had fallen and someone had tried to ring him, like is the plan just you say oh yeah i heard you i was just not feeling well so i didn't answer the the phone or the door or i was whatever. having a i was taking a piss yeah because i mean what is that i i mean you know that someone tried to contact you i guess but yeah i don't know that it really helps yeah it doesn't establish you being there in fact it just shows how sort of there. <laughs> yeah it shows how sort of methodical he was though i guess yeah, yeah. just being prepared i suppose yeah yeah um, and then the um, next... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, um, of course, with their, their planning, they sort of had uh, something... I mean, they were... Originally, he wanted to actually delay doing the scheme because of something that happened. And they then had to adjust their plans to sort of fit in with this, which was that uh, Mr. Dietrichson at work um, broke his leg. Yes. So I guess he was quite hands-on, <laughs> because I don't think he would have broken his leg sitting behind a desk. I don't know. He was probably like playing <laughs> golf or something. 
<laughs> and like uh tri- like like twisted his ankle or something. I, I'm not. He was not hands on at work. That's one thing I will. Stand do you think? By. Do you think Rex Tillerson was hands on when he was an uh, oil mogul? <laughs> I think he was running up and down the oil rigs. No, definitely not. No, yeah, I so- think there's a better chance that he was trying to like rape somebody and like got kicked. Yeah, true. Yeah. But it was it was one of those times that Walter's like, "All right, we're not doing this," and Phyllis is like, "Oh, oh no, we're doing." It's like I don't. Yeah, care she did not want to delay. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. So we we talked about what Walter had to do to kind of like say this is you know he was home, he's got all his alibis straight. But Phyllis, her job was really just to get her husband to the train station and then to pick up Walter after they. They faked her husband's death. Yeah. So I, no, um, okay, I have a question. Sure. What if they just scaled this down, and instead of killing him, what if they just tried to take out the accident policy on the broken leg? Yeah. <laughs> like, all right, all right, all right. So uh, uh, let's just get the <laughs> the seventy five dollars for the broken leg and call it a day. <laughs> the broken I, leg was actually like one of the things that kind of caused issues as well. Yes, that's exactly right. Caused suspicion because if he breaks his leg, he broke his leg um, as as Keys kind of um, you know had. had apparently suspicions about then it's very unusual that he had just signed an accident policy then breaks his leg and doesn't like file a claim for that which led him to suspect that that uh mr dietrichson didn't actually know about the claim and it was done without his knowledge but the insurance policy they should have just uh, tried to claim on that uh behind his back uh, taking that $75 and bought a smaller house. I mean, you know, it's 1938, so you could, you know, you, you could buy, you know, like a one bedroom, two bath. You could get a house for that, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, because I, yeah, it would have been interesting to kind of go behind his back to do this claim. I, you know, he was, he was really weird about money. I mean, I know we're, we're kind of taking it through Walter, what Phyllis told him, but we also know that when Walter was there, um, signing the accidental um, po- the accidental death insurance policy that he did yell at Phyllis for getting a hat. Like, it, yeah, no. he was he was really weird about money. So, like, I don't even know if Phyllis would have had the ability to hide seventy five dollars. Well, yeah, him. because she also says that. You know, when she married him, you know, she thought he had tons of money, but turns out, like, after they bought this house, this um, super expensive $30,000 house, <laughs> um, like, they were, he had invested a lot of money in, like, uh, Mexican oil, and, like, it, things were not panning out, so they were, they were tied on cash. Yeah, except for this trip back to his alma mater. <laughs> that we could spend money on. Of I, can, like, <laughs> I mean, this house is amazing, and $30,000 blows my mind. But let's not also, like, Walter's apartment seems, like, pretty, like... Oh, yeah, it's nice. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, just the fact that there was, like, somebody there to detail cars, like, in the parking garage. Like, does that exist anywhere now? Like, how much does that cost? Yeah. Just an on-site car guy. In all hours of the night, apparently. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, really. Because he, he took his time with that car because he was just finishing up when Walter got back from took, the murder. It, it took more time to like detail that car than, <laughs> than it did to murder a man. Yeah. Yep. 
So he's, he's doing a great job. Um, but yeah, so some of the things that they did is, uh, well, I guess the scheme was, and how they were going to kill him, is they were going to murder him, and then Walter was going to pretend to be Mr. Dietrichson, and then pretend to die, but really they were just going to, and this is what happened, is they just kind of like threw Mr. Dietrichson's body out there and kind of like did a body train. swap. Yeah, did yeah. a body swap. So some of the stuff they had to do was um, Walter had to buy a matching blue suit to Mr. Dietrichson's blue suit um, and had to and like he- put up, put bandages around his foot so I guess it looked like he had injured himself. Yeah. This is very bizarre. He also had to um, hide in the car, like yes. as they were driving all the way to the station, which is yeah. yeah. I that part of the documentary, that reenactment of him hiding in the back seat, is just great. <laughs> it's yeah. it's really like what is happening. Um, but yeah, so Phyllis drives her husband toward the train station, and before they get there, uh, they kill they kill Mr. Dietrichson. She signaled well, to Walter in the back of the car by uh, yeah. honking the horn three times. Yeah, she, she drove down an alley and then Walter killed him. Yeah. Uh, you, and you'd think honking the horn wouldn't be necessary. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not yeah, I'm not sure why that was part of it. Because how about I, just like a draws hey, to you. hey Walter, how about now? Yeah, I'm parked now. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> kill my husband, Walter. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, at that point I don't think <laughs> I mean, just as odd to honk the horn three times. Yeah, uh, well I mean what's he gonna do? Is he gonna is he gonna hop out of this car a, with a broken leg? He's not going yeah. anywhere. No. Um and so then they, they have to like hide that body and then pretend Walter is her husband. They drive to the train station, Walter gets on board. She says goodbye to him and everything like it's her husband. Like, very publicly, you know, goodbye, husband, who's still alive. You know, and then Walter's... <laughs> enjoying life. Yeah, goodbye. enjoying life. Living his best life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and they make sure, like, nobody actually helps him on the train or anything, because they don't want anyone to get a good look at him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he goes, he goes back out to the, like, caboose of the train to jump off this very, very slow-moving train. Yes, 15 miles an hour, remember. Yeah, and ends up meeting um, somebody back there who's already smoking a cigarette. So, Meeting the worst guy. This guy is just terrible. Mr. Jackson from Oregon. Yeah. Yeah, so Mr. Jackson is just like, in Walter's business. (laughs) asking him all the questions. Walter finally just gets him to go back into the train by saying, oh, I really need a cigar. Please go back to my seat and get me a cigar. And the second Mr. Jackson goes back in, Walter jumps off the train. Um, Which was great because he really didn't have that much time to do that. Yeah. Because Phyllis Mm -hmm. was parked over there with her husband's dead body, so they really needed to time it perfectly. And this guy, Mr. Jackson, almost messed it up, but Walter got rid of him. Jumped off the train. Walter walks because he's fine. He doesn't need anything. <laughs> he's, he doesn't have a broken leg. They grab uh, Mr. Dietrichson's body and throws it on the tracks as if he fell off the train. With his with, Yeah, with his hat and his crutches and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was pretty um, intense. Like that... 
you know, and then they've got to basically say, okay, we got to not talk to each other at all. You would think that, like, it would be easy for them to tell that, because unless they, they never, I don't think, explicitly said anything about that the body was hit by the train. No. Well, no, so, the neck, neck was broken. The neck was broken, but you would you would think that they would be able to see, like, contusions uh, contu- uh, on the neck from when Walter um, strangled him. Like, that's a very different, you know, you would have, like, the finger and thumb imprints on the neck, the bruising well, he, and everything. I think he strangled him with, like, a, a kerchief or something, so it was not his hands. I think but it would I, still, it would still, either way, there's it a difference of breaking your neck to dying of, like, asphyxiation from being, of strangulation, yeah, exactly. You know, you would, um, I don't know, like, again, I don't think this would fly today. No, 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 I don't think so either. Yeah, in in 1938, obviously, they could get away with anything. (laughs) Just just flying by the seat of the pants with uh, this murder here. Um, So, obviously, they they find this body, which is her husband. And the only people that really seem concerned is the insurance company, because they're going to have to pay out $100,000. Because it was like the... I think the detectives basically wrote it off as an accident. Yeah. Just an accidental death. That he fell. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what they wanted. So. Yeah. And the insurance company was trying everything. Like, okay, so, you know, did someone throw him off? Did Was it suicide? Like, what, you know, so the, because if it was suicide, they wouldn't have to pay anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they really were going with the suicide angle for a while. Yeah. Hey guys, um, um just just uh, um, just talk about 1938 for a second. Um, how how much do you think the cost of an uh, the average cost of a new house was in 1938? Oh, don't because I'm gonna like I'm looking f- at the moment. Fifteen thousand. Fifteen thousand. Claire, do you have a do you have a, a guess? Uh, oh, I uh, twelve thousand. How about three thousand nine hundred dollars? Oh, no. oh man! <laughs> Average income one thousand seven hundred thirty-one dollars a what? year. Oh no! Brand new car eight hundred sixty dollars. Three years, three years salary, and you could buy a house. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, that like really shows like what kind of fancy house the mm-hmm. Dietrichsons lived in. Thirty thousand yeah. dollars. Aver- now, average rent. I don't know if that includes um, a guide to detail your car, but <laughs> let's just assume it wasn't much more. Twenty seven dollars a month. Wow. Wow. Oh. Okay. Okay. How much do you guys think tuition oh, to Harvard no. was per year? Zero dollars. A dollar. A dollar. Four hundred twenty dollars. Oh man! Oh. <laughs> and now we're all sad. Yeah, okay. yeah. Huh. Um, I mean, but you could just kill people randomly, and no one even knows. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, it they basically did not want to pay this out. They call Phyllis in, and Phyllis puts on, according to Walter, the performance of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. She comes in, says she doesn't even know why she's there. She didn't even realize that her husband had this insurance. You know, just says she doesn't know anything about anything. And then when they uh, say that it was suicide, she freaks out on them and yells Mm -hmm. at them. 
and it is great wow. and she she just storms out of the office well the thing is it's the the president of the company whom like keys calls him out on it like he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about he's just like the douchebag in a suit in the back office doesn't know anything about you know yeah about insurance and claims and accidents and he just like fucks this up completely mm-hmm. like yeah you, yeah you can't just he- call somebody into your office and say i think your husband committed suicide with no evidence yeah particularly when the police have already ruled it an accident yeah yeah and um, even Key says that it doesn't make any sense why it would be a suicide. Also, no one's trying to commit suicide off of a slow-moving train. <laughs> so, like, that just, just doesn't make sense. Uh, but yeah, so she she puts on this great performance. And again, we're hearing all these things. Um, now, Keys, Barton Keys has confirmed that that took place and she came in and did all that. But some of the things I do think are... Uh, um, like Walter says stuff like after the murder, she really didn't even cry. There was, you know, mm. he was shaking like a leaf. He was so nervous about all these things, and she just seemed like real cool about everything. Yeah. Um, and I just, I don't know. I don't know how much I put stock into that because I feel like, again, this is kind of Walter's side of it. Yeah. But the fact that she, the fact that she was able to come in and and kind of get angry the whole time knowing that they had killed her husband and and keys didn't recognize that and believed everything she said in that meeting with them that does say a lot about about uh where she was at mentally yeah she she seemed okay with it so um so we do have this other thing where walter talks about uh because he's leaving this confession specifically for keys and he does say that he was really scared. There was one time that he almost got caught because um, Phyllis was coming up to his apartment and Keys was there. <laughs> yeah, well, that's crazy. Yeah, like, and she ends up like hiding behind a door. I mean, yeah. first of all, your boss should never come to your home. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. Well, it was also like the time because obviously when Phyllis returned, his hat. Um, you know, they sort of mentioned in the documentary, like, you know, he sort of said, how did you know where I live? And she's like, it's in the phone book. Like, you could just find anyone's house back then. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, it, they made it seem like maybe they were friends, but I'm not, I don't know. It didn't seem like they were that close. Yeah, I um, still wouldn't want my boss coming to my house. Yeah, yeah. no. Especially not to talk about work shit. Ugh. Yeah, yeah so, the and, clock. So, we do learn some, or I should say Walter learned some valuable things at that point. Walter had learned uh, that Keyes was now on this idea of him being murdered. Um, so there was concern there. So after that, he told Phyllis, like, we cannot see each other or talk to each other at yeah. all. <laughs> like, until this whole thing is over. And according to Walter, Phyllis started to get a little upset over this. Like, hey, we did all this stuff. We're supposed to be together. And now mm-hmm. you're pushing me away. Yeah. Like, although I, I'm like, well, yeah, like yeah, <laughs> like we killed somebody together. Like we can't, we can't, we, and, and we don't want to get caught. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, go ahead. We should also mention like there's another person that kind of comes into the story about this time, uh, which is Nino. I haven't got his surname. 
uh, which is um, when basically Walter was approached Zaketty. by Zaketty. Yeah, thank you. Um, Walter was approached by uh, uh, Lola, the daughter, around this time because she was obviously uh, grieving. And she had um, questions about her father's death, and she had suspicions about her her uh, stepmother. Um, and we um, apparently uh, earlier on in uh, Walter's confession, he had mentioned that he had already had a conversation with Lola when she had, he had gone to the house before, and she had actually like snuck into his car to get a lift to go and meet with her secret boyfriend Nino. Um, and her father and stepmother were not very um, approving of this relationship she had with this man. Um, so she already shared this secret with Walter about this relationship. So maybe that's she felt like a certain closeness with him and sought him out after her father was uh, was killed. Yeah, I, I found that weird, too, because I was like, OK, you met this insurance guy when he came to the house. You did sneak into his car to go meet your secret boyfriend. But it's not like you had any real relationship. So the fact that Lola starts reaching out to Walter is mm-hmm. still, I mean, even as part of Walter's confession, I think it's strange. Um, well, Walter seems to, like, I mean, he says as well in his confession that he encouraged it because... Um, you know, she had suspicions about Phyllis and he didn't want these being shared with anyone mm-hmm. else. So he kind of yeah. would would hang out with her to almost as a distraction to stop her yeah. from talking to anyone else about these suspicions. Yeah. And this is when uh, Walter hears about Phyllis spending time with the mom and, uh, you know, potentially causing her death after her having pneumonia. Yeah. That, I don't... I, we just know what happened, but we can't confirm that Phyllis actually killed the mom. No, uh, she just yeah. opened the windows and took the... Yeah, exactly. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then had evil looks. Perfectly yes. normal. Yeah. And she just fed the mom ice cubes, you know. Yeah. Huh. But I do think, like, Walter took it a bit far personally. Like, I, when Walter's ta- talking about Lola, I'm like, he's talking about he took her to the beach and took her to dinner and like it's just hanging out with her all over the yeah, place. Yeah, like, took her to the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that is where we learn about uh, her at this point, ex now, Zaketi, who she says has now been hanging out with Phyllis. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. And obviously Walter was quite shocked to hear that and figured that, that Zaketi and Phyllis were also in a in a relationship. Yeah. And when Walter tries to talk to Phyllis, it's almost it's it's weird. It's like their relationship um moved so incredibly fast. Like I know it was a love at first sight thing. They commit this murder together and then like all this happens and it's almost like they become like he becomes very jealous of Zaketi and and then starts wondering, well, what is Phyllis up to? And Phyllis, at the same time, because Walter has pushed her away, is also like, hey, just remember we did this together. And really, Mm -hmm. I didn't... She really didn't do anything. No. You know? So... And reminding him of that. And so it's a very, like, toxic relationship these two had. She was a really intelligent woman. I mean, Mm -hmm. the way she manipulated all the men around her uh, was... Yeah, she was... Yeah. Yeah. She was a piece of work. Yeah. And at this point, this is also when they were semi, you know, conducting an investigation into Neff. But again, like we said, um, 
keys stood up for Neff, and they couldn't pin down where Neff's involvement would be. Oh, he had a great alibi. Mm-hmm. I don't even think they're really investigating Neff as much as just doing the basic, you Due know. diligence. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, Neff, I think, just lost his ever-loving mind at this point. <laughs> because well, he's, like, on edge. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, like, I think it's so late for him to realize that this... There's so many ways this could not work out for him. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like he's guaranteed that money, like, if no. she gets it. Yeah. So, I like, the fact that they are going to run away together or whatever, um, like, that's largely <laughs> dependent on circumstance. Um, he's not guaranteed anything on this, and he's got just as much, if not uh, a larger sum of the, of the blame to take if it goes bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so he goes um, and conf- wants to confront uh, Phyllis about Nino and about really everything. And according to Walter, she basically confesses, you know, that this she had been planning this the whole time since meeting yeah, and him. Yeah, and she used him. Yeah, and she used him. And so he shot and killed her. Yeah, but he said again, that she uh, shot him first. And yeah. He, you know. Um, she also. Yeah, but. She also says that she was. Uh, she'd been talking to Nino for the sole purpose of, of having somebody to blame this on. Yeah. Yeah, because they. And the authority or the um, insurance company did suspect that he was involved that he was the i mean um, keys always suspected that there was someone else involved like another uh like a man involved but just didn't know who and then because of the way she um kind of manipulated the situation again with nino then um the suspicion did fall on him yeah she she's not stupid however i just don't know i mean we do know she shot him but you know how much of of this was a real confession that she did to him. I yeah. I don't know. We don't know. It's all from Walter's point of view. Um, and she she didn't leave any of that. They're just things that we can confirm, you know. And we can confirm that Nino was seeing her on the side, but obviously Le- Nino didn't know he was being set up. So who knows yeah. what he what he thought? And I don't I don't know. I couldn't find anything um, that talks about what. Nino's thoughts were afterward after all this had come out so yeah I think he just kind of went underground like he didn't want anything to do with any of this which who can blame him uh so yeah so he kills so we do know for a fact Walter did kill Mr. Yeah he's sure in the chest and then he kills yeah Phyllis by shooting her in the chest um and just more than once as well I think he shot like two or three times yeah jeez yeah well, she she got him. She got one shot of him, which seemingly in the shoulder. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he's like, "Yeah, you should have shot me twice." And then he shoots her twice. <laughs> and according to him, she what wouldn't. What a lover she boy. Wouldn't, exactly. <laughs> according to him, she wouldn't. Um, uh, she said that she couldn't pull the trigger on him um, the, the second time because she was in love with him. She declared her love for him. But I mean, I don't know. I think maybe she tried to shoot him and then he just took the gun and shot her in cold blood we don't know he might be romanticizing his 
his appeal, you know. That, by- that's what I think too, because I think for Walter, I'm sure he also wanted to believe somewhere, somewhere she, deep yeah. down that she loved him. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, to be played like that, that's uh, it's a harsh reality. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he does all that. And then um, the uh, he actually gets caught in the middle of his recorded confession because he just goes back he goes back to pacific all risk to record his confession because that's what i want to do after being shot i'd like to go back to my shitty job (laughs) seriously yeah (laughs) if i'm gonna if i'm ever shot and i'm gonna die somewhere i don't want to die at my job and Uh, he was actually caught by keys keys walked in in the middle of his confession well yeah because it's he it's like 4.30 in the morning when he gets finished uh, recording his confession. And Key shows up, and and Nav is like, Hey, uh, huh, I always wondered what time you came into the office. And he's like, No, 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 the, the janitor called me because you're bleeding everywhere. Yeah. 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 Yeah, which I was like, oh my god. So the janitor didn't even hear him. He just saw blood everywhere and was like, Ah, uh, right. okay, this isn't this isn't good. Yeah, so that's, that's really the... The case and the janitor. Why is the janitor not calling the police? Because it's actually <laughs> keys that called the police. So um, the janitor didn't call the police or an ambulance. He just called the bus. First of all, um, would you why call the police in Los Angeles when you can call keys? We've already established he's a better true, detective. Yeah, he's a much better detective. True. <laughs> like if it's the true. cops showed up, they would have been like, "Huh, looks like there's somebody spilled some strawberry jam." Case closed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, so I know that he um, he basically almost passes out. He uh, trying to escape. Keys, yeah, he tried to, to escape. escape. Yeah, and but he's with Keys, and Keys actually um, just stays with him. You know, and, and we know that he's called an ambulance. So, uh, so that's it's kind of the case there. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Oh. Uh, you know, love, murder, insurance, uh, uh, theft. <laughs> All the things. $30,000 houses. $30,000 drive through booze. Yeah. Baby food. <laughs> yeah. Baby food meetings. Yeah, it's so crazy. So crazy. Um, all right. So I think we've already stated, but uh, all three of us, I believe, watched the same documentary, which was called Double Indemnity. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Really um, good documentary. Really, like, really enjoyed it. Definitely. Yeah. And they put that sucker out pretty quick after the the actual um, murder happened. About the event, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the event happened in 1938, and this, mo- uh, this documentary came out in uh, 1944. Mm-hmm. So they, they turned that sucker out, I guess. I mean... What else were they doing in 1944? I'm just like <laughs> driving very slowly. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of maybe things five, happening. Maybe, maybe. Oh, yeah, there's not a lot going on in the world in 1944. Yeah, true. Uh, a very boring <laughs> period of time. Uh, yeah. Also, just you know. I mean, especially after that whole Battle of Normandy thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, so. That's it for this case. Now on to our next segment, Brad. Uh, friends, it is time for judge, judge, jury, jury, and executioner. executioner. Mm. Well, listen, friends. I'm excited for this week. Um, I just just to explain, just to explain. When I say 
judge, jury, and executioner. I'm not implying that there is going to be a jury or an executioner involved. This is just the name of the segment. Yep. Yeah. All you bloodthirsty people who are calling out why aren't we executing people on our podcast, get over yourselves. It's just yeah. the name of the segment, all right? Yeah, yeah, everybody that's waiting for an execution on a podcast, hey, uh, you're monsters. Fuck off. We don't want you here. Yeah. Uh, it, that's just the name of the segment. Why? It's a better name. It's a better name. Uh, judge, prosecution, and defense, kind of boring. Yeah. Too many syllables. Doesn't work. Bad. Not good. Execution is a fun word to say as well. So, you know, it just sounds better. All right, say that. all right, all right, enough of that talk, Claire. You sound like one of them now. <laughs> all right, so this week we are putting Phil- Phyllis Dietrichson uh, on the stand. And just Phyllis. And just just Phyllis, not, not Walter. Walter confessed, I mean... Really not much to judge, jury, or execute on that one. <laughs> uh, so we're putting Phyllis on the stand. And uh, Claire, this week, you are the judge. Yes. I get to defend Phyllis. And Brad, you're going to prosecute Phyllis. What a bastard you are. <laughs> it's all about the law. All right, and that's what we're here for. I'll be a fair judge. I'm a sleepy judge, but I'm a fair judge. Um, so I would like the uh, prosecution uh, to go first with your opening statement. All right. Thank you. We are here to judge Phyllis Dietrichson on a case of insurance fraud. Yes, I, there's no question. There's no question. She planned insurance fraud from the beginning. I... She met Walter, and her immediate thought was insurance fraud. The whole plan to kill her husband was all about to getting this money. It's very likely that she killed her husband's uh, former wife so she could marry him and get his money, and then she killed him to get his money. He didn't have that much money, so she put out an insurance policy to get the money. Uh, I'd just like to interrupt and say that it is relative how much money he had. He had enough money to buy uh, a house for $30,000. Therefore, he had a lot of money in this judge's opinion. Thank you. (laughs) But I'll point out, though, that that she said (laughs) that buying the house took up pretty much all of his money. So they had the house, but they were cash poor at the time, which was why she needed this uh, insurance policy to cash out. Or she probably just killed him. Um, But we're here to talk about insurance fraud. And there is no question that there was insurance fraud. There was an elaborate scheme with costumes to com- to <laughs> commit insurance fraud. I don't know how you can possibly argue that insurance fraud was not the plan. Well, with that, you say there is no question. I think uh, uh, the, uh, the defense, uh, Tammy, uh, will uh, will tell you us what the question is. Tammy, I pass it to you. I sure will. Thanks, Claire. (laughs) Pal, I'm not stalling for time at all. Uh, So, yeah. So we've got uh, Phyllis here who is, the prosecutor said, oh, she planned it from the beginning. She, you know, did all these things. She definitely wanted her husband murdered. Thankfully, we are not prosecuting her on murder today. Um, And she wanted his money. Sure. 
she did not understand the first thing about insurance or even what a double indemnity clause was to get this money. There's no way that she is fully responsible right off the bat for insurance fraud. I say at maximum what the judge can do is say she was an accomplice, but she definitely was not the brains objection, behind this insurance objection. fraud. Uh, the defense should not be telling the judge what she can and cannot do. <laughs> I didn't say she can. I said she should. She should do that, but, you know, she could do whatever she wants. The, the judge was having a nap, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. Please continue. <laughs> yeah. So, th- those are options for the judge. One of the options is... Thank you. She could say... She could, she could decide in this court today that Phyllis was not responsible for the insurance fraud. If she would like to, it, prosecutor, you would like to prosecute her as an accomplice. That's a totally different case. But as actual, she's, a, you know, responsible for this insurance fraud. I say absolutely no way. She didn't even know what she was getting herself into. Okay, okay. Um, uh, prosecution, do you have uh, a rebuttal? Uh, yes. First of all, I would like to say um, the judge is allowed as many options as they would like. Um, I will not try to limit what those are for the judge. Um, I believe the. Judge I appreciate do, that. Thank you. I believe the judge can do whatever they put their mind to. <laughs> Thanks. I like that you believe in me. I do. I'm not trying to limit you like some other people in this court. Um, <laughs> Next time we'll all be bringing gifts to the judge. <laughs> Bribery is encouraged in this court. <laughs> Bribery is totally encouraged in my court. Thank you very much. Uh, so, um, you bring up the fact that she didn't even know what a double indemnity clause was. Correct. She she wasn't aware. She wasn't aware she could get $100,000. She was just aware that she could get the $50,000. So I think the scale of what she's trying to accomplish, um, if someone gives her a better deal, doesn't change the fact she planned to commit insurance fraud. An insurance salesman came to her house, and on the first meeting, this guy was just trying to renew an auto insurance policy, and she's immediately asking about accident insurance. Um, why else would that be? No, she planned from the beginning to murder her husband and collect insurance money. There's no question of that. Uh, the fact that someone else got involved and came up with a better plan for her doesn't change the fact that she committed insurance fraud. Okay, okay. Uh, yes, uh, defense, do you, uh, what is your response? I have to say, uh, very, very good points there, prosecution. Yeah, um, I, I agree. The first question she had asked is about uh, accidental death insurance because she had no clue how that even works. So how could she have planned something she didn't even understand? She asked about it, and if we're to believe her, and, and there's no reason we can't believe her at this point, she was being abused. She didn't know, she was in a situation just trying to figure a way out. That was it. That's all. Now, when she asked about accidental death insurance, and Walter goes into his pitch, he actually tells her, like, hey, maybe that's not the way to go. And she's, she drops it at that point. She doesn't speak about it again. It continues to be brought up because someone is fo- is uh, 
trying to get into her pants. Sorry. Sorry, Judge. I don't mean to be so gross. <laughs> but that, okay. is, I, that is I, what Walter was trying to do. <laughs> I'll allow it. Our, our courtroom has an explicit rating, so that's okay. fine. Okay. All right. There good. are no children present <laughs> in this courtroom. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what there would so, be. <laughs> I mean, again, we don't know at this point, would she have pursued the insurance claim with anybody else? She would have dropped it at that point in time. I think it was an outside individual, in this case, Walter, who really pushed her forward and got in her, into her mind that they could do this together. Again, I say she was more of an accomplice. She was not the brains behind the operation. Here's the problem. <laughs> um, after the murder happened and they were trying to cover it up, um, there is a point where Walter is like, just drop the case. Don't, we just don't, don't file the lawsuit just let it go uh, like just let it go they had already been de- the uh, the police had ruled it was an accident um if they had dropped the insurance uh, um claim completely then this would have just gone away this would have disappeared but she was the one pursuing it she was the one that was suing walter was trying to talk her out of it She's actively committing insurance fraud. It doesn't matter who masterminds the plan for insurance fraud. She's the one that's going to collect. It's her name on the policy. She was the one that wanted to kill her husband to collect the money. It doesn't matter if she was influenced by someone else. She was the one that committed a crime. We're not here to discuss murder. We're here to discuss insurance fraud, which she clearly committed. I mean... I agree that, like, you know, he did tell her to drop the claim afterward, but that's because he had nothing to lose. He had covered everything up, so he was clean no matter what happened. And he had, ev- she had, she had everything, everything to gain. She had everything to... She had everything to... Nope. She had everything to lose <laughs> as well, because she was going to be put away f- for murder. She was going to be put away for insurance fraud. This was not just on her. She, she was, was not, not. going to be put away. The police had already oh. ruled that it was an accident. The only people that were investigating was the insurance company because she was suing uh, because they had denied the claim. Yeah. Yes, because, yeah, exactly. She was suing them because if she had dropped the claim, believe me, Keys, and we know Keys, Keys was an undercover detective, okay? Like, we can't say that he was just an insurance adjuster. This guy Objection. was doing some shady stuff. Objection! <laughs> Objection! <laughs> Objection! I uh, yes. Um, okay. Okay. Defense. <laughs> I think you've had a bit too much coffee. Uh, I think you need to to back up. I there is oh, no I proof that Keys coffee. was a undercover detective. <laughs> Fine. I, however, the, I will note that this judge is very impressed with your passion about this case. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I because I have diet coffee and I wish I had. This is <laughs> excellent. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, I might start bringing coffee to this courtroom uh, for for all, even the prosecution. I'd even offer coffee to the prosecution. Pandering, Your uh, Honor. Uh, I will allow it because this judge would like some coffee right now. <laughs> I, I kind of would too, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so, so yeah, so fine. I'll take it back. Stricken from the record. He was not okay. an undercover detective. But I will say that the way that he pursued his position as an adjust- adjustment claims person, claims adjuster, I think, is what they're actually called. I don't know why those words mixed <laughs> no, up in my head. No, it's an adjustment claims person, yes. 
<laughs> See, this is why we need coffee. Um, as a claims adjuster, he was extremely good at his job and definitely figured out a lot more than what we know the police figured out. Mm-hmm. And I think that Phyllis was aware of that because Walter had been sharing that information with her. And I think she was afraid that if they were caught um, in, and if she decided to drop the, the case, that Keyes would actually wonder why all of a sudden did she drop this claim when she so passionately had come in and talked about uh, how mad she already was with the insurance company previously. Now, granted, that was against the president of the company, who was totally an asshole. But still, I think that would have raised more questions for Keys, and that was her concern. So, so am, she I, really am had I understand your defense of insurance fraud is that she only <laughs> committed insurance fraud because otherwise she would be charged with murder? Yeah, I think she was back into a corner completely. Well, she did commit By murder, and she did commit insurance fraud. <laughs> she so. did commit murder. Walter Neff commit murder. Again, we're not talking about murder today. I'm just saying. She didn't commit murder. She committed two murders. Um, <laughs> but we're not here to discuss no, no, that. No, no, no. She left some windows. Objection. Uh, uh, right, okay, okay. Uh, we are just discussing the one case today, which is uh, insurance fraud. We will be discussing the many other murders and everything at a later date when this judge has had a nap. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I feel free to keep I, it. Yes, and and so yes, to to answer your question, yes, I do think she was backed into a corner, and I think that it was all due to um, an outside force, which in this case was Walter Neff, and I think the most that we can say that she was was an accomplice. Okay. Okay. Um, Prosecution, are you ready for your closing statement? Absolutely. <laughs> so I can't stop laughing. <laughs> the defense would have you believe that she only committed um, insurance fraud uh, because of an outside force uh, that was going to end up end up with her convicted of murder. Well, she murdered at least two people. Not what we're here to discuss. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I, will, I will strike that from the record about she, the murders. Mm-hmm. She brought in this outside force to help her commit insurance fraud. So it's not like she was, she was, this was brought on her. This was a, a problem of her own making. She brought Walter Neff in the, into this to commit insurance fraud. That was the plan from the beginning, is to commit insurance fraud. She brought someone else in to help her commit insurance fraud. There's no question. Uh, was she aware that her husband didn't have an accident on a train? Yes. Yes, she was. She was very aware because his dead body was in a car with her. Then she wanted to collect insurance uh, for the train accident that she knows did not happen. That's insurance fraud. That's what she did. Uh, Walter Neff got cold feet and tried to talk her out of it. The police had declared it an accident. They could have said nothing and just gotten away with a murder. She would have had a fabulous $30,000 house (laughs) to her name. Yes. But that wasn't enough for her. She had to commit this insurance fraud to try to get this money. And that's what she did. No question. Case closed. Insurance fraud. Okay, uh, okay, uh, defense, good luck. 
<laughs> I will say she would not have gotten that house. It would have went to Lola because everything that Mr. Dietrichson had was in his daughter's name, which was established pretty early on in Walter's confession. So we'll say that um, because it would have been nice if she had gotten that house, but no, she would not have. Um, so no, I think she was an abused spouse. I think she was at her wit's end. She had someone who became like this uh, champion for her come in, sweep her off her feet, tell her all the things she could be doing and promised, promised that he, he would help her get away with all this. Then when it came time and the plan started to fall apart, which obviously this kind of plan is going to fall apart Instead of being told, okay, this is how it's going to go, we'll be fine, she was told, drop this, which only meant that she was going to be pinned down for all of it by herself. So, of course, she was going to have to go forward with the plan of insurance fraud, not because she wanted to, but because she had to, to save her own life. Just to save her own life from the murders that she committed. (laughs) She didn't commit those murders. She's not on trial for those murders, nor should she be. Uh, So, so, uh, hopefully her dead body will not show up in court that day because she should not be on trial for for murders that she did not commit. Um, But yeah, so she, she had to, you know, do what she had to do. She had to move forward uh, and sue for the insurance claim just so she wouldn't be arrested and pinned down for something she did not do, which, because she did not do those murders. So, anyway, that's, <laughs> that's where I rest my case. I think, at max, she was an accomplice, but this was not her plan to do insurance fraud. Okay, okay. Uh, thank you very much. I'm now going to go to my chambers to deliberate and have a little, a little cheeky nap. Uh, and I will be back with you as soon as I can. Uh, in the meantime, how do you, how do you think your case went, uh, prosecution? I think this is a pretty I think this is a pretty easy case. I think it's uh, cut and dry. <laughs> uh, she solicited someone to help her commit insurance fraud. There's no way. There's no way. I think we're doing great. I I think we're gonna get a <laughs> conviction here. It's a case of insurance fraud. She committed insurance fraud. So I, is that why you're holding that bottle of champagne in your hands? Yeah, right now, <laughs> looking to open it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, and uh, defense. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm. I'm feeling okay. You know, I. I feel like this is. It's just such a sad case of someone who who was abused, and I, I hope that as a court, they, the judge does right by her. Um, you know, again, just like she was frightened to begin with about being pinned down for for murder she did not commit. I. I'm hoping that she doesn't get pinned down for insurance fraud that, you know, she didn't do. So I, I did my best to, to plead her, the case on her behalf, and um, I just hope it all works out. Okay, okay, thank you very much. Um, the judge is back in the court, judge being me, but I always announce myself in the third person, apparently. Uh, so <laughs> uh, if you would all, all uh, rise for my verdict. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, um... Yeah, I think it's pretty cut and dry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Defense. You did a very good job. But uh, whether whatever the reasons are for for um, why she committed insurance fraud, she committed insurance fraud. Um, and I do believe that she is the one that came up with a plan and uh, took advantage of uh, basically 
uh, seduced uh, Mr. Neff in order to to do her um, her scheme to get her husband's money. Um, so unfortunately, I have um, no. There's no doubt in my mind that she is guilty, guilty, guilty as charged. Wow, three guilties, not even one. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> I mean, I feel that that's pretty guilty. shitty, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Uh, uh, however, maybe the, pros- the also... uh, prosecution would be willing to, to give you a glass of that champagne. Sure. I, I sure. don't want. I don't want his stupid champagne. <laughs> I want your blood. Your blood champagne. All right. Cool. Uh, <laughs> you know, I I just feel like uh, Walter played the victim, but we only heard from Walter, so I feel like it's really sad. It's a sad day for <laughs> for <laughs> for Miss uh, Dietrichson. That's all. And not the first one, because who knows? She was a lunatic who liked to hang out of windows when she had pneumonia. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> noted. That, that's noted as well. <laughs> Thank you. Congratulations, Councillor. <laughs> Councillor Brad. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So uh, next time on Absolutely True True Crime, a Deadly Series podcast, we are going to be covering... Another fraud case, a fraudulent case. Yeah, uh, like an identity theft fraud case. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah not not so much insurance fraud this time. Uh, and it'll be the case of Lucy Eleanor Moderates. Sherry, I'm not working Christmas. But Lucy, you're the only one. About family. For Lucy, loneliness was a way of life. Joe Jr.'s still single. Yeah, it's shocker. But the moment she saw Peter, she became a believer in love at first sight. He was perfect. Then fate stepped in. Mister, there's a train coming! God, you smell good. Now she's part of his life. He's in a coma. Oh, I was going to marry him. Who's she? She's his fiance. No, no, no. He's just engaged. Part of his family. So glad he found you. You haven't met Jack yet. It's funny, my brother never mentioned you. Which one of the three studios was Peter's favorite? Curly. Curly! Ha! He's everybody's favorite. Fact is, you're not really Peter's type. Whose type am I? I like blondes. You like brunettes. What can I say, Peter? I was never envious of anything that you had until now. You have to tell me what to do. I like Jack. Pull the plug. You're sick. I'm sick. You're cheating on a vegetable. Caravan Pictures presents Sandra Bullock. These are your husband's things. Not my husband! Your fiancé. He's awake! In a film about love at second sight. Who are you? While you were sleeping. Looking forward to delving into that criminal and that crime. And as far as uh, Judge Judge Drain Executioner, Brad... You'll go ahead and let us know who everything, who who's doing what job. I mean, I don't mind being judged for the third no. week in a row. <laughs> All right. So if someone has to do it, I'm happy to do it, guys. Mm. I'll jump on that grenade. So next time for judge, judge, judge jury, jury, and executioner, and executioner. serving as judge, Tammy. Yes. <laughs> a break. <laughs> <laughs> a prosecution, Claire. Hooray! <laughs> and I will be defense. You'll be defending nice. Lucy Moderates. Yes. <laughs> 
very exciting. Thank you for joining me again for this episode where we talk about all these fun crimes. Um, some not so fun, but this week, eh, it was okay. <laughs> and the insurance <laughs> fraud portion. The murder, pretty sad. <laughs> so, uh, we'll, is there anything else you guys have for uh, this this episode? Don't go buying beers at drive-ins, guys. Yeah, oh, don't don't a tip. Don't drink and drive. Yeah. All right then. Bye. Also, don't commit insurance fraud. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. If you want to send us feedback, you can contact us via True True Crime at reactionary-sass.com. Join our absolutely true true crime Facebook group and follow us at True True Crime on Twitter. Call the SAS line three two one seven one zero four nine four seven. And maybe you can help solve a mystery. Our other podcast and individual social media accounts can be found at reactionary-sass.com.